Okay, this time of the year we begin new series all over the place and we're starting a new one in Sunday school too. Uh, Calling it the call of God. The call of God. And we've got 12 weeks laid out of God's call to various people and, and how they responded and what they did. And we'll be looking at God speaking and calling to people. And uh, we start right in the beginning with God's call. To Adam, that's where we're going to start, uh, and and Genesis chapter two, where our texts will begin. And I will call this universal call. God made a call to Adam, and the book of Genesis is the beginning. Of so many things, it's important for us to really have a handle on Genesis because it shows how not just the world began, but how the human race began and how the human condition began. And everything uh, is very much here laid out for where we are today. You look in our society and you see right from Genesis, uh, right from Genesis in the beginning when man rebelled against God right away, hardly got started in the earth, and uh, said that during the flood of Noah, that man's thoughts were continually evil all the time, and God said, I wish I never made him, let's get rid of him. And of course, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so the human condition is very well laid out in the book of uh, Genesis, and the introduction of sin into the world is a very particular one here. And we talk about the call of God to Adam at that point. And I want to take a look in chapter 2 because it's important to know uh, that Adam was familiar. Adam was familiar with God's voice. He was familiar with God's voice. And I'm going to say to you that there's plenty of people in this world today who are not familiar with God's voice. They don't know it. They have never heard it. And I, I've kind of been watching people my whole life, always interested in families, and I seen a lot of times where at some point one of the generations says oh we don't have to go to church we're done with that and then they're kind of raised to believe in right and wrong the next generation they try to teach a little bit of what's right and wrong but the one after that really gets messed up because the, their parents didn't think it was worth really teaching them about right and wrong. And I don't know how many instances in my life I've seen nice people, older people, their kids, they're good, they're okay, but their grandchildren are horrible. And I see grandchildren in prison, and that's just where it goes. Right? If you're going to 
turn your back on right and wrong and God, uh, and then it's going to develop into a great rebellion against God. And so uh, this is the, the, the instance here. And the difference about it is that Adam was familiar with God's voice. And then he will hear the voice before he sins and then after he sins. And we just look at a couple of the instances before he sinned. Because when I read where we're going to end up, where God calls out to Adam, you say, well, is that the first time you ever heard God's voice? The answer is no. All right, so in Genesis chapter 2, look at a couple things. Uh, verse 19 and 20, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was a name thereof, and Adam gave names to all the cattle, the fowl of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found to help me. For him. And so God says, hey, Adam, what do you want to call that? Let's call it a horse. All right. It's a horse forever and ever. What do you want to call that? It's a mouse. It's a mouse. And he named the animals, put names on them, and you never think about why that's a horse, right? Nobody ever said, well, why do you call it that? Because that's what it is. <laughs> Starting right in the beginning, Adam heard from God and he uh, was speaking to him about animals. And we go down to verse 21 of chapter 2. 21 of chapter 2. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, took out of his ribs, closed up the flesh thereof, and the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made he a woman, brought her unto Adam. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. All right, so he's sound asleep. <laughs> he's out cold. You know, God did the first operation. He put him out cold. That's what we finally figured out. If people are sleeping, they, you can cut them all up. <laughs> God knew that right away. So he put Adam into a sleep took a rib out and used that to make a woman. And then he wakes him up. He says, hey, there's what I made you. Thanks. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> All right, and so God had to tell him what he did because he was sleeping. So he's talking with God. And then you go back to verse uh, 16 of chapter 2. Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. So there, clear words, says God commanded. He said to Adam, You can have all this, name the animals, I'll make you a woman. Don't touch that tree. Don't do it. I don't want you to touch the tree. And so he has been talking to God. He knows God's voice. And we're pretty clear from what we read that God came in the evening. and said, let's have a walk, Adam. And Adam and Eve walked together with God in the cool of the evening. Have a conversation. It's nice to have a little walk at the end of the day. And that must have been a fantastic walk, walking with God. Now, we come to chapter 3. And here's where God calls out to Adam. All right. 
Now we know that they went and ate of that fruit. And so verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God. They heard a voice, they know it's him, walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam. So here's the call of God to Adam. And that's what we're talking about here. (coughs) And said, where art thou? Where are you? And so the call... It is a universal call. It's where are you? You say, you mean God needed to know where they were? No. <laughs> God needs you to know where you are. That's what the call is here. Hey, where are you? And uh, he says, uh, Verse 10, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he asked, who told you you were naked? And uh, he says, well, where are you? He said, I'm hiding. So he starts hiding from God. In other words for that, well, we're going to avoid God. I think there is where a lot of people are today. If God called us, where are you? Well, I'm avoiding you. That's where I am. That's where, uh, you know, it's easy to avoid God, do our best to avoid God, and that lets our conscience kind of have a little rest if we avoid God. So we're not going to go talk to God. We're just going to avoid him, try to stay away. It's why church, I think, is essential It shows a willingness on people's part to come and let God speak to you. So church is an essential thing. And then I'm going to add to that, well, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Because I have known people who have sat in church and... They can avoid God sitting right in the pew and listening to sermon after sermon after sermon. I've seen people do it. Sit in the pew, never miss Sunday, and never hear a word that's said. Not a word. (laughs) And so when you say we like people to come to church because you come here and let God speak to you, uh, it certainly is true that some people can ignore God in church. Can ignore God there. And so what does he do? Verse 12, the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree and I did eat. So he's going to switch blame. going to switch blame. And say, well, it's, it's not my fault. It's Eve's uh, fault. She gave me this fruit and I ate it. She did it. And so verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent did beguile me and I did eat. And she said the same thing. Adam said, Eve made me do it. How about you, Eve? Serpent made me do it. I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. So it's a universal call to the human race. And it starts right here with Adam, right in the beginning. Where are you? So we stop and consider the question, where are you in relation to God? Where are you 
in relation to God. All right? Where are you? Are you hiding from him? Are you avoiding him? On this list, you're ignoring him. You can be ignoring him. You can be afraid. And that's what Adam said, wasn't it? He said, I heard your voice, and I was afraid. And so the call comes out, where are you? And some people are certainly uneasy when they hear that call of God say, where are you? Where are you? And so who do you blame? Who do you blame? And the call of God comes, where are you in relation to me? How are you and I relating to each other? Are you hiding? Are you ignoring me? Are you uh, trying to avoid me? Are you afraid of me? Do I make you uneasy? Well, yeah, and we've got to find somebody to blame. <laughs> my sister, uh, growing up, my older sister, she said, our parents made me feel insecure and gave me the feeling I was a failure all through my life, and it's their fault. And finally one day I said, you know what? How old do you have to be before you stop blaming the parents? I said, well, how old do you think you should be before it's not our parents' fault anymore? And her response was, you're so mentally healthy. <laughs> <laughs> So I am, must be I am, really. I never knew that, but I guess I am. Stop blaming everyone else and say, I have flaws in my character. Call of God says, where are you? Where are you? Where are you now in relation to me? You hiding from me? You avoiding me? And why? Well, mom and dad didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. You have flaws in your character. I have flaws in my character. And so <clears throat> that's where we start. <clears throat> First of all, what's your relationship to God? Number one, where are you? What's your relationship to God? Number two, who are you blaming for it? All right? Now number three... And the call of God that comes to us. Number three. Go search for God. Go search for him. Go find him. Go looking. Go searching for God. Jeremiah 29. And this is interesting to me occasionally things really strike a chord in my mind I was thinking along these lines and Jeremiah chapter 29 and I thought of a verse and I realized it was a verse that mom and dad taught me when I was little we had to memorize verses I probably knew a hundred verses when I was seven years old because they're going to come around the room and give you a reference, and you better read the, you better know the verse out of your head. And so uh, I thought to myself, I know there's a verse, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. 
And I think it's in Jeremiah 29, 13. I opened it up and says, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. And my mother and father taught me that. See? So I couldn't blame them. <laughs> can't blame them. They taught me those things. Go and search for God. Go and look. What's the goal of it? Search for God until you become familiar with that voice. Number three. So, there's a certain way that God speaks to us, a certain way that God communicates with us, and you got to get to be familiar with that voice. Now, Jesus was really big on you doing this. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. He begins in chapter 10 to talk about himself being the good shepherd. Now listen to how often he says it. John chapter 10 and verse 4. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before him, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He said, shepherd leads his sheep, and they recognize his voice. Verse 14, the same chapter. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. They know me. They recognize me. All right, and then verse 27, same chapter. Jesus repeats it over again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So we've got to learn to recognize the voice of God. We're going to go search for that until we get so we're familiar, like Adam was familiar with God's voice. We need to get to be familiar with God's voice. Well, how do you do that? What do you do? Well, to become familiar, I would say uh, you read, and that's the Bible. There are other books that are worth reading. Of course, the Bible is number one. And you pray, and that's certainly going to help you to recognize God's voice. Talk to him as much as you can. You'll find it very pleasant. And then, of course, I'm going to put down here, attend church. Why? Because hopefully there you'll hear that voice too. And God gave us these three foundations to build on. How are you going to get to know God? I'm going to read that, those Gospels until they pour out of my brain and I recognize just how Jesus responds and talks. I'm going to read that. And then I'm going to talk to God. And I can't explain that to you until you're praying and you realize he's right there. He's listening. He's listening. And you can talk to him just like we talk to each other. Talk to him just like we talk to each other. He's not a stranger. I talk to him and I'm always laughing because I say, look at what I did. And we kind of laugh together, I'm sure. He says, look at you. Look at this. Look at that. And we nod our, yeah. 
you get to know God's voice. And hopefully then, when you come to church and we explain the Bible and we sing these hymns all about God, you say, yeah, I, I know that. Come now, almighty king, what help us thy name to sing. Help us to praise. And we ask God, come on, we want to sing for you. Help us to do it. Father, all glories, come and reign over us. Come now, incarnate word. Gird on thy mighty sword. Our prayer attend. Come, and thy people bless, and give thy word success, is what we sang today. We ask God to make the word clear to us. Open up our heart. And as we get to open up our heart to that, what happens? And we recognize the voice. We recognize the voice. And so we have... The steps. Number one, where are you in relationship to God? Hiding, avoiding, ignoring, afraid, uneasy. Number two, you switch blame. No, let's go back and say I have a flaw in my character. Number three, you start a search for God. You read and you pray and you attend church and you listen until you recognize the sound of that voice. You can tell it. When I hear a preacher on TV, which I don't spend much time... (laughs) You know, 10 minutes a week. Sunday morning, I'm all ready to go. I, well, usually not quite ready, but and I turn it on for five minutes. and I don't like that. Turn it off. I don't hear God's voice in that. And then all of a sudden, somebody, I heard it. I heard God's voice. Some preacher finally didn't beg for money, didn't tell you you're going to be rich and all that other jazz. He finally came out with truth. I said, I recognize that voice. That's Jesus. God's voice. And then, what do you do? Number four. In the call of God, number four, you ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness. Number four. Just do it as often as you need to. That would be quite often, probably. Do it as often as you need to. He's, He's good to get along with. He doesn't hold grudges. My wife always says, you got a mind that never forgets anything when somebody crosses you. I said, that's probably true. You're probably right. I don't. Uh, but God is not like that. Thank God, huh? Thank God he's not like that. He doesn't hold grudges. So you ask as often as you need. And then I'm going to say number five, in the search for God, in the universal call, where are you? Where are you? Well, I want to stop avoiding you. I'm going to start searching for you. I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to ask forgiveness because I know I can't get any progress without it. And then number five, you want to... Answer the call of God, which is, where are you? Uh, Do something for God. Don't ask me what. Go do something for God. That will set it right. It does more to set things right than you know. Because I know people are always crying, always talking to God, and always saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then a week later, it's, come on. There's another step. Go do something for God. Something you can do for God. And that will...
put you now, you say, where are you? Well, I'm right here. I'm doing something for you. I want to do something for you. You say, what do we do? I don't know. Some of you work in the kitchen. Some of you clean. Some of you sweep that floor all the time. That's a good thing. You just do something for God. Somebody's mowing the lawn. Somebody's pulling the weeds out there. You know, a lot of churches say, well, if you're not a teacher, if you're not a youth leader, then we got nothing else for you to do. Not around here. We got, <laughs> we got plenty to do. Lots of work to do. You got to do something for God. And that's what really answers the call. Because why is he calling you? He loves you. Okay. Then where are you? How, are you? How about you and me? Where are you? Well, get to the point where you want to say, I want to do something. And I think that for me in my life was a turning point. When I got to be married and had a little small person uh, hanging around. It bothered me terribly. Not having a small person, but I used to look at her and I'd think, when I was your age, I grew up in a house where they were going to do everything they could to bring me to God, and I'm not doing that for you, and that just ate me up. And finally, I said, I got to do something. So I couldn't sleep at night. I wasn't going to church at that time. Because I was convinced that all churches were full of hypocrites. And some are. That's a fact. Some are. I said, they're all full of hypocrites. What do I want with that? I don't want that kind of Christianity. And then God kept saying, what about that baby? Okay. All right. You got me. I got to do something. So I couldn't sleep at night. Just night after night. So... We'd go to bed, she'd fall asleep, I'd get up. Go outside, wander around, wander around in the yard all over. And finally, I stood there and I said, okay, God, I'm going back to church. Let me sleep. No sleep. No sleep. That wasn't it. Not what he wanted. He wanted something else. So two or three more days of no sleep. And I never got tired in that time. I didn't get tired young. It helps. <laughs> but when God's in your mind, you can't be tired. It's just... And so finally I stood on the edge of the garden one night, at, I don't know, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I said, okay, I will go and lead a choir if that's what you want. I went in and laid down went to sleep. It's all set. I know what I got to do. So... <laughs> I got to go to church, become a choir director. Perfect peace. Go right to sleep. Get up, tell my wife, we're going to find a church Sunday. So we went to this church over near Batavia, walked in, sat down through the service, went back out. When it was over, got in the car on the way home. I said, what do you think? Is that the one? She goes, no, that's not the one. I agree. It's not the one. We'll look for another one. Monday morning... I worked with a guy who went to that church. He came in. He said, hey, Eric, I saw you in church. I said, yeah, we thought we'd visit. He says, well, if you want to come permanently, we're offering you, we've got a new piano, a new organ. We're offering you the choir. You can have the whole thing. I went home and said to my wife, are you sure? That's not the right place. They offered me the whole music program this morning. 
She said, no, I don't think it's right. And I said, I agree with you, but I don't know. This is kind of crazy. So the next week, we went to a little church over in Albion in the Lions Club. Funny little place to go to church. Walked in there, sat down, went through the service, leaned over my wife. What do you think? She said, I think we're home. Okay, good. During the service, they passed out a paper. They said, we've had a 12-week of sermons on how to serve the Lord and the gifts of the Spirit. So we want you to fill in what your gift is. And I wrote on the paper, I'm here to lead the choir, and handed it in. Came to my house, they said, well, we appreciate your enthusiasm, but we've got no choir. I said, well, I'm here to make one then. Are you with me? He said, well, yeah, I guess. And so that's what I did. That's how it began for me. I said, I'm searching for God, and God's asking me, where are you? Where are you? And I had to say, I'm going to do something. And that happened to be at that time uh, to be a choir director. And I became a choir director, bigger choir than I ever have had here. Uh, Big choir, we traveled around. Did a lot of things. And then God says, well, we got some more for you to do. Eventually, this was it. But I still acquired director because I said I would be. And that's it. So you want to answer the call. You know, answer the call of God, the universal call to every man. Where are you? Went to Adam first. Where are you? I'm ignoring you. I'm hiding. How come? Well, somebody made me do something. I said, no, no. Nobody made you do it. You did it yourself. So let's go back, search for God, and let's ask for forgiveness. And then let's do something for the Lord. And answer the call as God comes to you and says, where are you? Where are you? Got to stop. Thank you.